So we could go right now. We were in uh, central time, and so it would have been, been about 20 minutes till 6, and uh, we were pushing to get to a church by 6 o'clock. When we're, when we're traveling, of course, we're not gone much on Sundays or Wednesdays. It may seem recently like we have been more, but uh, on, on the whole, we don't miss much on Sundays or Wednesdays. So the thing of finding a church, you know, usually when we miss here, we have a church we're supposed to be at. So the thing of finding the right church, I don't take it lightly. And so uh, you can ask my wife. I spent hours making sure we got Sunday morning right and hours with my phone making sure we got Sunday night right. And we, we didn't want to, you know, I don't want to get there an hour and a half early and sit and wait for church to start. Uh, I really would like to just pull up at uh, five till the service time and walk in and sit down. And anyway, so I spent quite a, quite a bit of time, and I had my eyes on a couple of churches. Let me just throw out some thoughts here. If, you're, if you are traveling and you're looking for a good church and you have no idea what to go on, there are some websites out there that you can check, but you can't even trust them because churches change, and some of those websites that tell you what is the good church uh, that, that website's 15 years old, and maybe that church isn't there anymore, or maybe it doesn't even believe and practice right anymore. So, and that's one of the things I look for, by the way, an up-to-date website. If uh, they've got announcements from 2013, probably that's not going to be, you know, a very going church. But a couple of things that I do look for that will just about always get you a winner. If their web- website is current, in other words, if they have announcements of things going on in 2018... And also, as you look through either their doctrinal statement or just what they post on their website, if they're using the King James, if they have a bus ministry, and if they have Sunday night church, there's a real good possibility that's going to be a good place. I'm not saying those are the only things you look for, but those are three indications that you're not going to walk in and go, oh, man, we picked the wrong place. And praise the Lord, we picked a good place Sunday morning, and then again Sunday night, we were in St. Claire, Missouri, Mount Zion Baptist Church. It was just about uh, just under an hour south of of uh, St. Louis on Route 44, which we were traveling. And we went. And I want to tell you, this was an extra special church. This is the kind of church that I was wishing all of you could be there with me, so that I could say, uh, if you're ever wondering where we're trying to take things here, this is it. Uh, Sunday night, and and it's not a big town and it's not a massive building but they had a beautiful building the pastor's been there for 37 years and uh, the auditorium was beautiful I said to my wife I I don't say this all the time but once in a while we'll we'll visit a church and I'll say if we ever build from nothing I want to remember to come back here and and revisit this auditorium it's gorgeous and um there was one more point I was going to make before I got to the point I was making. And I don't remember what it is. Oh, I know what it was. Sunday night, we walk in. There's seven of us, right? One, two, three, five of us. Five of us. And they couldn't find a place for us in, a, in an auditorium at least twice the size of ours. Sunday night service. And so we had to sit on the second row. And, uh, we, we, you know, we've been traveling all day, so we're just barely... Uh, I mean, my makeup was a mess. And, you know, so now they're bringing us down to sit on the second row. And anyway, we sat down there. We just felt right at home. 
They're singing our songs. They use our same hymn book that we use. And uh, it just was a wonderful, wonderful service. Anyway, I said all that for this reason. The pastor, and, and some churches do this, and it's not a matter of right or wrong. I don't believe it is. I don't think anybody believes it's a matter of right or wrong. But uh, the pastor is going through the book of Colossians verse by verse like we do on Wednesday night, except he's going through it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So Sunday night, you pick up where he left off Sunday morning. Wednesday night, you pick up where he left off Sunday night. Next Sunday morning, you pick up where he left off last Wednesday night. And I know several churches that do it. Brother Dalton Robertson, who preached here a couple of years ago, does that in his church. And I don't believe it's a matter of right and wrong. And uh, if a preacher did think it was a matter of right or wrong, that's probably a guy I want to distance myself from a little bit just because he might have a very uh, authoritative spirit. But anyway, he's preaching in Colossians chapter 1. And as he is, he's going through, just walking us through, statement after statement, very similar to our Wednesday night. I noticed in Colossians 1.25, Paul said, uh, 23 first, I am made a minister. Then in verse 25, I am made a minister. And then the pastor brought our attention to that statement, and that's not what the message was about, but he just, he said, I want you to see this somewhere else. So we turned over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, and said, look at there, I am made a minister. Well, I took that, and the very next day when I had a chance, we looked to see if that was found anywhere else in the New Testament. There are similar statements in the New Testament, but as far as that statement right there, I am made a minister, those are the only three times that it occurs as clearly as that. And so right away, the Lord began to work on my heart. And the truth is, I was going to preach this message this morning because uh, we are all servants on this day. And then I felt the Lord directing my heart towards gratitude this morning. And so that's where we went. And I saved this for tonight. I want to say, first of all, before, and once I start reading, I'm telling you the truth. Once I start reading what I've written here, we're, we're going to end very quickly. I'm going to read the rest of the way what I've written. But before I begin reading, there's the trouble, Pastor. Um, before I begin reading, in case you're not aware, the word minister means servant. It means servant. It's funny how we have turned that into, are you a minister? Yeah, I am a minister. And all we're saying is, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. And so let's keep that in mind. And I'm going to go ahead and use the word servant as we proceed from here. Three times in his epistles, Paul makes the statement, I am made a servant. Once in Ephesians and twice in Colossians. In Ephesians, the wording is, I was made a servant, but the meaning is the same. The most famous man in the history of the church, the most influential man in the history of the church, the greatest spiritual giant in the history of the church, three times in his writings says, I am made a servant. And that's consistent with Jesus' words in Matthew 23, 12, where he said, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And again in Mark 10, 44, whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Jesus is not revealing a trade secret there or a shortcut to the top. He's describing the nature 
of his kingdom. When Jesus says, he that would be greatest among you, let him be servant of all, he is describing the nature of his kingdom. The Christian life is a life of serving. The disciple of Jesus Christ is by nature a servant. The church of Jesus Christ is to be filled with servants. And the more like Jesus you become, the more of a servant you will become. Christ's church is not a place of big shots, bosses, and braggarts. The work of God is led and performed by the meek, the poor in spirit, the lowly in heart. That's where Jesus started his preaching in the New Testament. By talking about the meek, the poor in spirit, the lowly in heart. He likes those kind of people. Jesus said of himself, I am meek and lowly in heart. That's the closest we have to a description of Jesus' personality in the Gospels. What was Jesus like? I am meek and lowly of heart. He was not the loudest mouth in the crowd. He was not the big shot. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you come in as an arrogant, authoritative know-it-all, he will either change you, as he did Peter, or he will terminate you, as he did Judas. In the army of Jesus Christ, the officers are servants and the servants are officers. In the Christ Corporation, the managers are servants, and the servants are managers. In the greatest emancipation and relocation in the history of the world, the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt, the leader, Moses, is repeatedly called the servant of the Lord. In one of the most glorious, harmonious, And victorious kingdoms in history, the nation of Israel in the early reign of young King David. That couldn't be said in his later reign, but in the early years of King David, one of the most glorious, harmonious, and victorious kingdoms in history, the king is called the servant of the Lord. God leads the world with servants. God accomplishes his purposes With servants. God has transformed the world. With servants. So when God was ready to take his newly formed church. And it's newly revealed gospel to the entire world. For centuries to come. He took a well educated. Self-righteous. Highly esteemed. Angry. Murdering activist named Saul. And changed him into a humble. Dependent. Meek compassionate servant named Paul. And that's why three times Paul testifies, I am made a servant. And that simple statement in just a couple of minutes, we're going to look at the abundance of truth about Paul himself and about the Christian life found in that statement, I am made a servant. First of all, I want you to notice that this contains Paul's confession. A lot of times we think of the word confession as meaning confessing confessing our sins, like I did wrong and I'm sorry. But the word confession means more than that. Your confession is your statement of who you are and what you are about. When 
The Pharisees went to John the Baptist and said, Who are you, John? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That was John's confession. And Paul's confession is, I am a servant. Think about that. Think about that. He was not trying to be any more, and he could not allow himself to be any less than a servant. You go to work, and the conversation comes up at some point. You, you go to church, don't you? Yeah. What, where do you go to church? I go to Northeast Baptist Church. What do you do there? You're very involved. What do you do there? Well, folks are looking for a title. I'm the assistant in charge of That's what people are looking for. But if you'd ask Paul, what do you do there? What's your job? What's your responsibility? I believe he would have said, I'm a servant. Now think about saying that to a coworker. Say, oh, I would never say that to a coworker. They wouldn't get it. Paul said, I am a servant. That's his confession. Now I want you to notice not only his confession, but his concession. He is conceding something. God made me a servant. Understand he's not saying God forced me to be a servant. When he said God made me a servant, he's saying God built me into a servant. If you've been sleeping, I pray that you wake up right now and listen to to this concept here for a second. God built me into a servant. Listen carefully. A capable, willing servant. Qualified servant can only be built by God. You ask anybody here who heads up a team of ministry workers, and there's some people that just, wow, they need some work. Not because they're incompetent, not because they have no experience. Because they're not willing to let God make them a servant. I praise the Lord. And I'm not saying that I'm a servant, but I can tell you I've been through some of the training. And I praise the Lord that as a bus worker, you hear me talk about Pastor Tom Herzl. Pastor Tom Herzl is a nice guy, but he's tough. And he was the bus driver on our bus route when I was a freshman in college. Our bus route went into Chicago and brought uh, men, women, teenagers, boys, and girls to church 40 miles away at First Baptist Church of Hammond. And then we brought them home when they were done. At the end of the day, most of those buses, some of those buses would go all night until literally 1 or 2 in the morning. But most of those buses had to be returned to the bus center by about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. And here I was, a freshman, And I was informed, and this is just a couple of months into the school year, I was informed that it was my job to sweep the bus. Now, I had swept things before. You take the broom, you pull it out from in between the seats, right? Get it all out into the aisle. And then once you got everything out into the aisle, you go back and you sweep it forward. You sweep it out the door in a bucket or whatever. We're done. Five minutes. That is not how they wanted the buses swept. By the way, they rented those buses. So these were people who owned their fleet, several different companies that owned a fleet. And when you return the bus that you had rented, they inspect it. And the driver does not leave to go to the evening service until that bus passes inspection. 
So I didn't know. I just went, okay, take the broom. Get this out here. When I was finished, Brother Tom, who I'd only known for a couple of months, said, you all done? I said, yep, I'm all done. That means I can get on the other bus and go to church. He's got to go to someplace in Illinois and return that bus, and his car is parked there, and he's going to get his car and drive to church. When I got to church, and now I'd had a chance to have a little bit of supper, and, oh, I could close my eyes and doze a little bit before church started. This is, this is good. and going to get to hear the preacher preach. Everything's great. And Tom came in and sat down next to me. He was mad. His face was red. His lips were quivering. I said, you okay? He said, man, that bus was filthy. I swept it. <laughs> and it was from that experience of being rebuked by somebody that I really respected because he had to stay there and sweep it until there could not a speck of dust be found and he couldn't come to church until he had done that. If I had just gone with him and swept it the whole time, and here's a little secret about sweeping a bus, that handle that's this long doesn't fit under the seats. But unless somebody has stuck a screw in there or something, the handle unscrews from the from the bottom. Now, my father eventually sent me at the brooms, the, the little uh, sweeper brush that they use to keep the concrete mixers clean, and that was the best bus sweeping tool I ever owned. People would ask to borrow it. I'd say, no, that's mine. And I would put it in my, in my duffel bag every Sunday, and here's what you had to do. You had to take your suit coat off, lay down on the seat, reach under the seat, and sweep Every single, not just papers, but specks of dust, anything. And usually to get it right, you had to do it two or three times. I'm talking about full, full-length bus. Remember full-length buses? <laughs> anyway, um, I'm talking about full-length bus. And praise the Lord, I got to the place where I had a reputation as a bus worker. Well, if you want to get your bus clean. In fact, let me tell you how good I got at it. Thanks to Brother Tom. I got so good at it. That when I became a driver, and after the man had inspected my bus the first few times, when I pulled in, he would just wave me through. He didn't even have to look at my bus. So he knew I'd get it spotless. Aren't you impressed? How did I get there? I had to be made. And God used Brother Tom to make me into somebody who realized, hey, we, this bus has to be spotless. I'm a servant. God made me. Paul makes a concession. I'm not a servant because I'm so humble or I'm so wonderful. I'm a servant because God made me a servant. Not that he forced me to be a servant, but he built me into a servant. And again, I say a capable, willing, qualified servant can only be built by God. I know it's not. The, the, I almost took this call. Uh, our, the adjuster for the house is coming tomorrow, and he was supposed to call Sunday night to clarify his time. But this is... Uh, this is a copy number. That's not it. So anyway, wow, pastor almost took a call during church. If you've been sleeping like I'm sleeping, you, you would take it too, uh, like I've been sleeping, like I'm sleeping. Um, a capable, willing, qualified servant can only be built by God. And thirdly, notice Paul's commitment. We're all finished. God built me into a servant of A, the gospel. We saw that twice. And B, the church. Now, once you let God make you into a servant, that's hard enough. That goes against your, your, your pride. It goes against the grain of your selfishness. But then when it goes further and says you are a servant 
of the gospel. You do whatever the gospel needs done. And, and this is the one that would really set people off in, in, the, uh, in this age of, I don't know what all the generations are, but everyone but mine is selfish. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but this is the one that really would set people off in this day and age. You're a servant of the church. Ah, don't say that, Pastor. That's man worship. If you understand what the church is, it's not this organization here. It's not Northeast Baptist Church and the deacons and the pastor and so forth. The church is a local assembly of believers that have been saved and baptized and are doing the same things in their location that tens of thousands of other churches are doing across America and around the world. It's not about my authority and me bossing you around. And anybody who, who says that I am a boss has really not been around me much. It's not, not really worked in. Uh, uh, in fact, I get in more trouble for please tell him what to do than I do for uh, telling folks what to do. I'm not that kind of leader. But we, we were, so, were so opposed to that that when we hear God made me a servant of the church, we go, ah! that's something God has to make you into. Someone who says, yeah, I'm a servant of the gospel. I'm a servant of the church of Jesus Christ. We succeeded, praise the Lord, today for the 29th time in this effort of feeding the homeless and working poor of the city of Danbury. Saw fed 119 people and saw 18 professions of faith in Jesus Christ because you are a servant of the gospel and of his church. And if you weren't, God could not have used us as he did. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together tonight.